0: Airf Dean at Mile High Sports, and you're listening to another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast. It sounds a little bit different, and that's number one because I'm the one doing the intro, and number two, J.J. Jerez is nowhere to be found. He's currently in the water somewhere. He's on vacation. I think he's going on a cruise. I don't know. He went somewhere where he didn't take me with him, and I'm a little upset about it, so I don't really even want to talk about it right now. But yes, what you're hearing is absolutely true. It's me doing a podcast by myself. It's going to sound a little different. It feels a little bit different. The experience, the vibe is going to be completely off, but I'm really excited. It it kind of brings me out of my comfort zone a little bit. I'm going to trip over my words a little bit. I'm going to have conversations with myself. But if you've been listening to Hockey Mountain High for the last two and a half years, you realize that more often than not, I'm already having conversations with myself. I rarely let Jeremy or sorry, JJ talk. Uh, I rarely let, you know, our guests talk. I'm always the one just kind of taking over the mic and just speaking more and more. So here's 30 to 40, maybe even 50 minutes of Arif Dean at Mile High Sports breaking down hockey for you. I felt it was necessary to do this episode because as you know, I am currently in Toronto. It is Friday, December 3rd. A couple of days ago, I got here to cover that game against the Leafs. And uh, I unfortunately was not able to make it to Montreal for the Avalanche's bounce back win. I'm still in Toronto now. I'm heading back to Denver tomorrow, Saturday. So I will not be on the rest of the Avalanche road trip. I'll be back in Detroit on the 20th for that game. But I just wanted to kind of do this podcast because the Avalanche just had two very big games. The one against Toronto was the one that last week, or actually Monday when we recorded, I even titled the podcast, The Big Game. Because in my opinion, that, was, that had the work and the makings of becoming the best game on the NHL calendar to date and we all saw what happened. There's a lot of injury news that's involved there. There's an emergency goalie situation involving the Toronto Maple Leafs of all teams, which whenever you bring those two things together, it always ends up being a little bit of a wonky story, and it was once again. And then the avalanche obviously go into Montreal the next day with Jonas Johansson, with this backup goalie, this kid that they brought in from the American Hockey League. We've talked about him many times. I'll get into him later. And He sits on the bench once again and the Avalanche bounce back. So there's just been so much going on as the Avalanche's schedule starts to get ramped up here in December. They're obviously playing again tomorrow, Saturday in Ottawa, before going into Philly and then to Madison Square Garden to play the Rangers. So there's just a lot of reasons why this episode was necessary. And I think we're just going to take it right from the top. So we're going to start with that Toronto game, obviously, where so much happened. So, for starters, I got into Toronto on Tuesday. I was at morning skate Wednesday, um, and it was great. I mean, anytime you have a game in Toronto, you always can expect that there's going to be 30, 40, 50, 60 media members there, just a lot of people covering hockey there. It's a hockey crazed market. I attended the Montreal, or sorry, the Toronto Maple Leafs portion of the morning skate, which usually the home team comes first. So, when we're in Denver, the Avalanche take the ice before the road team. Obviously, when the Avs are on the road, they take the ice second. So I attended the Maple Leafs portion of it. It wasn't optional. Alex Kerfoot was one of the guys skating. You heard a lot of guys kind of talking to him and giving him stick taps on, on the shins and on, on, on the butt when they would walk by him, just because they know that this one has a little bit of an extra feel to it, just because he's still friends with guys like Jost and Obviously JT's not here, but even McKinnon, Landis Sam girard He played with a lot of these guys a lot. He was there for Kale McCarr's first few games in that playoff run. So he knows quite a few of these guys. The Maple Leafs portion of the morning skate had more media than I'd ever seen in Denver or anywhere else. And, you know, that's not a stab at the Denver market or the avalanche market. That just goes to show just how much there is around this team at all times. How many media members, how many different outlets, TV guys, broadcasters, print, reporters, different languages, just all the media that handles the Toronto Maple Leafs at all times and how much pressure it could put on a team like that. But the Maple Leafs, you know, they've responded well. They're 14. Well, they were entering that game against the Avalanche, 14 and two in their last 16 games. And then we saw what they did to the Avs. They're the number one ring team in the NHL right now, and they are on fire. So here's what all broke down. The Avalanche came out for morning skate. They were in great spirits. They looked upbeat, ready to rock, coming off that victory against Nashville. When Gabe Landiscock took the ice, he looked up at the media. I was standing by Peter Ball, and he said, you guys looking for the money shot? And he just kind of like gave us a pose and took the ice. They were happy. They were riding high. Darcy Kemper was there. He was his typical self, happy-go-lucky guy, just a very, you know, great business-as-usual type of dude. He took shots. He looked normal in them nothing out of the ordinary there was even a part halfway through the skate where uh one of the avalanches uh staff members came and you know kind of pointed to Kemper and told him to come on over to the bench and when he came on over to the bench he was you know examining his skate blade and making sure that that whole situation doesn't arise again you know they're trying to get to it first and be proactive instead of reactive midway through a game again and Kemper just looked normal so then Jared Bednar comes out talks to media and says that Darcy Kemper will obviously get the start. The guy at the other side, Jack Campbell, has been having a hell of a year. So this was going to be a massive game for Darcy. It was going to be a way for him to kind of see just how good he is compared to one of the better guys in the NHL. Both, go- both these goalies are looking at, you know, possibly working their way into the Olympics conversation. For Jack, it's for the U.S. And for, Cam- or, and for Kemper, it's for Team Canada. So it was going to be a big measuring stick game for Darcy. We leave Morning Skate, you know, everything seems fine. Obviously, during that media availability, there was a ton of media in there. McKinnon answered a million questions. So did Jared Bednar. Media were gushing over Kel Makar. And then Kadri had his availability. People asked him a lot of questions as well. Uh, He was great as usual. Um, What I love about Nazem Kadri, and he's the kind of guy you need in a market like Toronto and why he was able to thrive here for so long is the pressure doesn't get to him. He doesn't really care what the media thinks of him. Um, And in a good way, you know, he's going to do his thing. He's going to play his game. Uh, Yeah, he got suspended twice with the Maple Leafs and now once with the Avalanche, but he never lets the media and the pressure of that get to him. One of the very first questions he got was the exact same type of question he got in November 2019, the very first time that Tyson Berry and the Toronto Maple Leafs came to Denver. Somebody asked him, do you have a bitter taste in your mouth from the way that it ended with the Leafs so it was a very you know it was a repetitive question that he's heard many many times and he still answered it with class and then somebody asked him why do you think your timing in Toronto came to an end and he laughed it off and said the timing are you asking me that's not for me to answer so he was great with the media as well and that all came to an end and it seemed like it was going to be fine Darcy Kemper was starting Nathan McKinnon's making his return Colorado Avalanche Toronto Maple Leafs hottest team in the eastern conference hottest team in the western conference you know maybe outside of the edmonton oilers two of the best in the nhl going head to head then we get here for the actual game six o'clock pm i enter scotia bank arena and i get a text from chris johnston who's now working at the toronto star and chris says that there is a that he heard that there is some kind of an emergency goalie situation going on with the Avs, and he sent me the link to the varsity blues which is the university of toronto college hockey team website of a player named jet alexander 22 years old so right away i got on the phone with the avalanches media uh, personnel or not media sorry their public relations personnel and i asked one of the guys and in, in, that works with the avalanche brendan what's going on and he obviously confirmed darcy kemper is out he has an upper body injury he's not going to play Eustace Ananen is on his way from Loveland, Colorado to Toronto going through customs and will be here to back up. But in the meantime, there's a young gentleman named Jed Alexander who's going to be backing up Jonas Johansson to start the game. Morning skate starts. Avalanche take the ice. And out comes number one, Jet Alexander, obviously wearing the jersey last worn, the jersey number, I should say, last worn by Semyon Varlamov. But it was really funny taking pictures of him from the pest box. I see this long name that starts with the letter A and ends with the letter R and it's jersey number one. And my brain kept reading Alexander, but my heart kept seeing David Abisher. It was a very strange thing. And and he's a big guy, this Jet Alexander kid. Uh, Players were coming by, you know, giving him the tap on the pads. Hey, hey, welcome to the big club, basically. And Jet was there for the first period as the backup. He didn't really sit with the team, but he was there. He was the backup just in case something was to happen to Jonas Johansson. He was to get injured. It doesn't matter how many goals the Maple Leafs were going to score. It was going to take only an injury, in my opinion, for Jonas Johansson to get pulled from that game. Second period comes around. Avalanche come out, obviously trailing three to one. They got that late goal by Nathan, not by Nathan McKinnon, sorry, by Sam Gerrard set up by Nathan McKinnon with just over a second left, 1.2 on the clock. Initially, it was 0.3 when the puck went in. They went back and added 0.9 of a second. So that goal at 1958 made it three to one. They come back out for the second period and Eustace Ananen is on the bench. So we had no idea when this happened. We figured we'd talk to Bednar. And, you know, obviously if Ananen was able to get in that quick, the Avalanche knew something that we didn't know earlier in the day. It was a 7.30 start. Ananen landed in Toronto at 7 p.m., had to go through customs, had to get to the rink, had to get his gear on, and obviously was able to come out for the second period around 8.15, 8.30, whenever that second period started. So sometime between when the media availability ended at about 1 p.m. Eastern time and the game starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time during those six and a half hours, and it had to be closer to one o'clock just because of how long it takes to fly out to Toronto and to get somebody from Loveland to Toronto, you know, presumably on a private jet, the Avalanche had to know something was up with Kemper pretty damn early, Even though, considering the fact, well, even when you take into account the fact that Jared Bednar said at Morning Skates media availability at around 12.30 p.m. that Darcy Kemper is your starter. So they didn't know anything then, but they had to have found out pretty soon afterward. So Ananen gets in. He's on the bench. Goal after goal after goal for the Maple Leafs. You knew that the Avalanche were not going to throw this kid in. And you knew Eunice Johansson was going to have to pretty much eat this for the entire game. And that's what he had to do. And that's what he did. So the outcome was what it was. Eustace and led in eight goals. The Avalanche did not look good. Uh, the Maple Leafs looked like the team that's been running over teams in the past. Uh, they had 41 shots. You know, they were led by Austin Matthews, who had eight shots and a hat trick. Uh, Michael Bunting had three assists. William Nylander was a plus four with a golden assist and six shots. They were throwing everything in the freaking kitchen sink at the Avalanche. They had 61 shot attempts. The Avalanche had 60, but the Avalanche couldn't get as many on target. They had 15 that were blocked while the Avalanche blocked just seven shots themselves. So... They just, they did not have a good game all around. Did Jonas Johansson play good? Absolutely not. And to hear Jared Bednar just say, when I asked him all things considered, how did Johannes, Jonas Johansson play? And you don't usually get that out of Jared. You usually get an answer or something along the lines of, oh, you know, he was put into a tough situation and was called upon late and the Avalanche didn't play well and we didn't really help him defensively, so on and so forth. But that wasn't the answer he gave. But despite saying Johansson didn't play well, Bednar also didn't let it be known that it was Johansson's fault. The Avalanche didn't play good defensively. Landis stuck up for his goalie. Um, and it kind of was encapsulated by the goals that Austin Matthews scored. The first one, he was right in front of the crease all alone and was able to dipsy-doodle. We're talking one of the best scorers in the NHL, a guy that was scoring at like a 65 to 70 goal pace last year, but obviously the season was only 56 games long. He dipsy-doodled the crap out of Jonas Johansson and had all the time in the world, while guys like Sam Girard. Bo Byram, and even Nathan McKinnon were just watching. So Johansson didn't really get his fair shake, and it was kind of unfair to him. I feel for him for having to deal with all that. And, you know, did he play well? Absolutely not. But it's just a matter of he didn't deserve for that to happen. He didn't deserve for the fact that he knew in his mind – He was going to have to finish that game. No matter what happens, no matter how many goals go past him, he has to find a way to keep himself engaged because there's no way he's coming out. All the while in his brain, thinking about Montreal tomorrow and the fact that I might have to play then too. So it was just a shitty situation for Johansson to be in, one that he didn't need to be in and shouldn't have been in had it not been for this last-minute upper-body injury for Darcy Kemper. So obviously, like I said, the Maple Leafs entered the game 14-2 and in their last 16 they obviously won and went up to 15 and two. When they went up three, nothing in the first period, the stat that stuck out to me was the fact that Jack Campbell over his last seven games. And I believe 15 of 16 starts, um, or sorry, 14 of 16 starts, something along those lines. He had let in two or less goals in each of those games. He has a 946 save safe percentage. He rarely lets in that third goal. So you automatically know if the Maple Leafs get to three, they have a pretty damn good chance of winning with this guy in the goal. So as soon as they took that 3-0 lead, you kind of felt it. The Avalanche obviously came back and made it 3-2, but Toronto quickly answered back and scored goal after goal after goal. Obviously, the Avalanche ended up adding a third goal, which was just the third, maybe fourth time that he's allowed more than three goals this year, or sorry, three or more goals this year. But you just weren't gonna beat that team and you weren't gonna beat that goalie with Jonas Johansson in net. He is what he is. He's a good third string goalie and nothing more than that. You can use him in a pinch. You can use him when you're playing like teams like Nashville, where you know you can beat them in a coaching battle and really strangle them. You can, as you saw yesterday, beat them in a game against against the Montreal Canadiens, who have not many wins this year, who don't look good, who are missing a lot of good players. You can probably use him in a game against Ottawa, which I fully expect he's going to start on Saturday as well against a team that's 4-15-1 on pace for less than 40 points in a full 82-game season, you know, assuming they continue to play this way. But you cannot use Jonas Johansson against the best team in the NHL. I'm not saying one of the best. I'm saying the best. Because right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the best team. They're 15-2 and in their last 17. And even when they were winning those first few games of that 15-2 and run, they weren't scoring a lot of goals. But their underlying numbers showed that they were playing a hell of a lot better than their offense was showing. And now we've seen in recent games, they're kind of racking up those points. They're racking up those goals. They put up eight on the avalanche. They went through California steamroll teams. They went into Long Island and shut out the Islanders. They had outscored the opposition. I think it was 18 to three or something crazy like that over you know four games. So they were riding high coming back from that road trip and coming back from their four game road trip, they had two days off before the avalanche came to town. So they were able to rest and recover. So I get it. Johansson didn't play well. We all want to kind of, you know, jump on him for letting in that many goals, but he's proved time and time again to be a good third string goalie. And that's what he is. If you expect him to be a backup and play backup duties and play 20, 25 games, it's not going to work. But if you can use him in a pinch, he will do the job. I feel for him because he was put into a situation that he should not have been put into all the while knowing that there was no backup goalie behind him. He was playing 60 minutes no matter what happens against the hottest team in the NHL. So it sucks. It sucks. And he played terribly. He sucked in Toronto, but the Avalanche did too. But it was great to see him bounce back. But before we get into that Montreal game, I'm going to go ahead and tell you about one of our sponsors. Yes, I'm even doing the sponsored ad reads right now. And this is going to be even more weird for me because I've never do these. So firstly, we're going to start with our sponsors, Total Beverage. Did you know that Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits? But did you also know they deliver? They deliver. Did you also know they have curbside pickup available? So you don't even got to go in there, put on a mask and deal with, you know, all these new mask regulations that are showing up again. You can just have it delivered right to your car curbside. Also, it's really, you know, it's going to get cold outside soon. So you don't even got to go inside the store anymore. How great is that? Did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's, not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need, and more. I think I did pretty well there, hopefully. Uh, if not, Total Beverage is going to dock our paycheck just a couple dollars because JJ's not here to do the professional ad read. But you know what? It's okay. JJ's in somewhere in the water. He's uh, somewhere on a cruise. I think he's in Miami or Barbados or God knows where. But he's chilling, so it's all right. I'm going to make it work for a week. Maybe two, however long it's going to take him. And then maybe I'll forgive him when he gets back. But Total Bev, check them out. They are awesome. in Westminster and Thornton, there are friends up there, huge hockey fans. If you go in there, talk to them about Hockey Mountain High. Talk to them about the Avalanche, man. They love to talk hockey. So with that being said, let's get into that game in Montreal. Obviously, I wasn't there. I'm still in Toronto right now. But the Avalanche had a good bounce back. For starters, they went back with Jonas Johansson in net. A lot of people were surprised thinking Eustace Ananen was going to get the nod. Let me tell you why it didn't make sense to put Ananen in, why it made sense to put Johansson in, and why it was the right thing to do. So for starters, Anin is in his first season in North America. He hasn't had the best year with the Eagles, but he's been trying his damn hardest to get used to that North American ice. It's a smaller ice surface. His stats didn't look too good in the beginning, but during his, as his season progressed, he's gotten better and better. Obviously, getting the emergency call up given the situation and the fact that Jed Alexander was the backup goalie for the Avs for a period, you needed to call him up. But here's why it made no sense for him to start. For starters, he has had zero practice time with the Avalanche. He missed morning skate in Toronto. There was obviously no morning skate in Montreal because they got in so late after the game in Toronto. It was a back-to-back. You're not going to put a goalie, who's a rookie, who came from Finland, who's rarely played on North American ice, who's never had a sniff of practice time in the NHL, into an NHL game without even getting a chance to talk to him about the systems, the defense, what he should expect, how to communicate with his teammates, or anything like that. This isn't somebody like Pavel Francouz, where you can just bring him in and put him in. Albeit, I will say this. Jared Bednar has proven time and time again that even when guys are healthy off the injured list, he does not, even if your name is Nathan McKinnon, you know, assuming it's not a playoff game in like a game seven, even if your name is Nathan McKinnon, you don't come off the injured list right into a game without getting to practice first. So why are you going to do that to a rookie, to a young kid named Eustace Ananen, who's your goalie of the future, who if he was in net for that game and the Avalanche gave him the same performance they gave Johansson? You know, not that he would have started in Toronto, but if he was in that Toronto game and got that same performance that the Avalanche gave Johansson and got lit up for seven or eight goals, it would have set him way back. It takes a lot for a goalie to recover from something like that, especially if it's your NHL career debut. So it made all the sense in the world to go back with Johansson. Well, actually, those are the reasons why it didn't make sense for NNN. The reasons why it made all the sense in the world to go back with Johansson is because of exactly what I said earlier. He's a good third string goalie that you can use in a pinch to beat teams like Montreal, to beat teams like Ottawa, not to beat teams like Toronto that rarely lose, that are 15 and two in their last 17 games. So for Johansson, it was an opportunity for him to bounce back. And he did exactly that. And he needed the avalanche to bounce back, too. And they, too, did exactly that. They only allowed four shots in the first period. They, they rarely let Montreal get many opportunities. They had just 20 shots, and their one goal came on a power play. And the Avs, you know, pitched in offensively. They got that shorthanded goal from Valerie Nachushkin. Um, that obviously was just all the hard work of Logan O'Connor. Shout out to that guy. I don't know how much more we can talk about him. Obviously, Kale McCarr scored, Burakovsky scored. And as soon as Montreal got that late power play from the tyson Jones penalty, they were able to do nothing with it. And before that, or sorry, not the tyson Jones penalty. That was the uh, the offsetting minors. I think it was Gabe Scott with six minutes left, got a penalty with the Avalanche up 3-1. The Avs killed that one off. And then as soon as Montreal pulled their goalie, the Avalanche scored shortly thereafter and the game was over. It was an opportunity for Johansson to bounce back and the Avalanche gave him all the reasons to... And they did a good job at it. So it made no sense to play Annan. Um, does it make sense for him to start next game? Who knows? But that game against Montreal, you can't put and in that game. So it was an opportunity for, for, for Johansson to bounce back and and to you know, to put this bluntly without sounding like a complete asshole, if Johansson had another bad performance in Montreal, who cares? You're not gonna sit here and try to work and 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 fight to get Johansson's confidence back up to where it should be because he's not your goalie of the future. He's not Eustace Annen. He's not your starter in Darcy Kemper. He's not the guy you're hoping returns from Pavel Fransuz. He's the stopgap for now. You gave up a fifth rounder for him. You developed him into a more respectable goalie than when he came in. But if he's the one that gets thrown to the wolves, that's the least of your worries given the other three guys in Kemper, Fransuz, and Annen. So for the Avalanche, it made all the sense in the world to play Jojo He came back. He bounced back. Shout out to him for that. Now let's get into the actual game. So obviously the Avalanche had a hell of a game. They kept Montreal to 20 shots. Uh, This is a team that's been struggling mightily all season long. So you knew knew going into that game that you were going to win, even if it was coming off a back-to-back and coming off a performance you had against Toronto and coming off the fact that Darcy Kemper was hurt and Johansson led in eight goals and Johansson's playing again. I already mentioned it, but shout out to Logan O'Connor for that sick shorthanded goal. Uh, or sh- sorry, shorthanded setup to Val Nechushkin for the shorthanded goal. He hustled like you wouldn't believe. Montreal won the faceoff, which the Avalanche have had a ton of issues winning faceoffs lately. But Montreal won that faceoff. You know, kicked it back to their defenseman, and O'Connor beat him to the puck. And when the or sorry, when the de- the defenseman beat O'Connor to the puck, but when he went to his backhand, O'Connor took the puck away from him. Centered it to Nachushkin, one-timer, beats Jake Allen with a nice little sneaker right through the five hole, and it just goes over the line. But, you know, all the power to Logan O'Connor for that. We saw him and Helm do that two games in a row shorthanded, and there was, again, the fifth shorthanded goal of the season for the Avs, and it was all because of Logan. We also saw Kale McCarr score a goal, and um, that's something that we've said many, many times recently. It was also the the game-winning goal because it was the second Avs goal. It was his 10th of the season. Now let's talk about just how crazy it is that Kel McCarr is scoring at the pace he's scoring at. First starters, in his rookie season before the COVID pause in 1920, he had 12 goals. He's already almost there. Last season, when he was ever so close to winning the Norris Trophy, he had eight goals. He's already got two more than that. He's also missed a game for the Avalanche, so he's only played 18. The Avalanche are 12-7-1. Um, he's played 18 of 19 games, so he's missed one. But on top of that, Kyle Makar is the first defenseman since 1988. So that is what? 12 plus 21. That's 33 years ago. He is a first defenseman in 33 years ago. And oh, sorry, the first defenseman. See, this is where the doing a solo podcast catches up to you. The first defenseman in 33 years to score 10 goals in the first 18 games of the season. He is absolutely on fire. He is And and the crazy part is like he's on fire and he's on a little bit of a heater right now, but he's not doing anything where you're like, oh no, he's just going through a little bit of a streaky score touch and he's gonna go back to scoring five goals a year. No, you're like, yeah, this is Kale. This is who he is. He's taking the next step in his development. In fact, when we were in Toronto, one of the media guys asked him about him, you know, potentially scoring 30 goals. Last defenseman in the NHL to do it was was, uh, Mike Green. He had 31 with the Caps. Brent Burns a few years back, Uh, I think around the time he was winning Norris trophies or in the conversation for it had 29, but we've not seen it since. Somebody asked Jared Bender, do you see Kale McCarr as the type of guy that could score 30? And he said, yeah, I mean, you know, he, we see him shooting more, scoring more. He can definitely do it. And then there was a gentleman sitting beside me and I forget who it was. One of the other uh, media guys in Toronto said, what about 40? And I mean that like in all seriousness, I'm not joking around. Do you think Kale McCarr can score 40 goals in this league? And that's the type of guy that Kale is. That's the impression he's given on the league. Funny thing is, 10 goals in 18 games, he's on pace for 40 plus right now. But that's the type of impact Kale has had on the NHL. And I think that's what he can do. So against Toronto, uh he obviously was left off the score sheet. Against Montreal, he got his tenth of the year. Um, I think he only had two before the injury, and he's got eight since then. So he's been on fire lately. But I think we're going to see him score. I personally think he's going to hit 30 this year. And I think 40 is in his future. As long as he stays healthy, as long as this guy can play 75 to 82 games a year, we're going to see him consistently score this many goals. Now let's talk about Nathan McKinnon because we never got a chance to discuss him yet because of, you know, the fact that not a lot of storylines can overshadow Nathan McKinnon returning to a team that was seven and one in their last eight games. But the Kemper and Jed Alexander and Jonas Johansson and Eustace Annan's story was, you know, the one that could overshadow it. And it did. So Nathan McKinnon comes back against Toronto. He has two assists. And then in Montreal, he has another assist. He's up to, I believe, one goal and 11 points or something along those lines. Um, do you want to see him score more? Yes, Absolutely. But he's going to, you know, sorry, I was way off. One goal and 12 assists, 13 points in 10 games, you know, with the kicker being the fact that he only has one goal in 10 games. You want to see him score more. Absolutely. Um, But he's not going to shoot 3% the entire season. He's got 31 shots on the year, which, by the way, you want to see him take more shots than that, because, you know, in in 2018-19, the last full NHL season, he had 365 shots In the season where there was only 69 games that he was able to play because of the COVID pause, he had 318 shots. Right now he's on pace for less than 300 in a full year. So you want to see him get those numbers up, especially given the fact that he's a career 10, 11, 12, even 13% shooter. So if he can get up to the 13, you know, to the 300 shots and you're scoring on 10% of them, you're automatically going to get 30. And then from there you can grow. So you want to see Nathan McKinnon shoot more. Um, You want to see him score more. And I think it'll come, but so far, so good for his return. Uh, He hasn't been amazing. He hasn't really taken over games, but he's also missed a lot of time. And the Avalanche have been rolling without him. So it's going to take him a little bit of time. I'm not worried yet. Um, I think, you know, Nathan McKinnon just needs a little bit of time to get reacclimated to things and he's going to go on, go off. And I think it'll happen during this road trip. You got Ottawa, who's not very good. You got Philly, who's lost seven straight games. And then you've got the Rangers who have been a bit of a surprise lately, but the Avalanche always play them well. So I think you'll see Nathan McKinnon kind of come off in these next few games and, and really do his thing. So I just wanted to mention him because we never really got a chance to talk about him given everything in that Toronto game. The other guy I want to mention, which we do every single episode, is Nazem Kadri. Kadri scored two goals against Toronto, albeit the second one was, you know, meaningless. The Avalanche were down 8-2 to two at that point. And then he came back and had an assist against the Ottawa or against the Montreal Canadiens. So he just hit thirty points. He did it in twenty games. The only other three players that have hit thirty points so far are the same three guys we've been talking about ahead of him: in Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Ovechkin. He's fourth in the NHL in scoring. One of four guys with thirty or more points, doing it in twenty games. And the crazy part is, ever since his point streak ended against Dallas. He's back to putting up points. He had a couple points against Nashville. He had a couple points against Toronto. He had one against uh, Montreal. So he's back up to five points in his last three games and has started this brand new point streak. That's exactly the type of thing you want to see from Kadri. The fact that Nathan McKinnon is back. He's not going to see as many minutes. His point streak ended. He might not be feeling as good about himself as he did a week ago. But, oh, if you look at the points, he's still got those five points in three games, two goals, three assists. He's still doing his thing. He's still playing. I mean, his minutes have dropped considerably. He's played 18, 16, and 16 in the last three games, but he's still putting up shots. He's got 12 in three games. He's still putting up the points. He's still doing his part, and that's what you want to see from Kadri, Uh, even though it's hard to watch because, you know, with every point, he's slowly working his way out of the avalanche's salary structure for next season. But given the importance of what he means to this club this year, this is the type of season you want to see from Kadri. And and it's great to see that he's still kind of doing his thing. So the Montreal game was a hell of a bounce back. Love to see the Avalanche come back from things like that. So what I'm going to do now is take a little break to tell you about our other sponsor. And then we're going to see where it goes from here for the Avs, who tomorrow obviously are going to finish up the Canadian portion of their road trip in Ottawa before heading out to Philly and the Rangers. So if you're not already familiar with DraftKings, they are America's top-rated sportsbook app. And football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and the NHL, you'll be a winner once... And a single, uh, once a single point is scored, new customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Those are big. If you like taking same-game parlays in hockey, one of my favorite things to do is to take the money line and the over on a team. So, for example, that Toronto game, not that we're Leafs fans, but if you're a Leafs fan and you saw that your goalie was going up against a guy who was a third stringer because of a Kemper injury, you say to yourself, hey, let me take the Maple Leafs money line and parlay it with the over, and you would have cashed out big. So you can combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS, bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. It's that easy. There's no strings attached. $1 to win $100. If they score, you score with promo code MHS. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. So I'm gonna start to wind this podcast down just because I don't want you guys to get even more sick of my voice and you probably already are by now. So let me kind of talk about where it's gonna go from here. Let's start with the goalie situation. What now with Darcy Kemper? Um, Post game against the Maple Leafs, obviously Jared Bednar did say that he learned about the Kemper thing about a half an hour after his morning media availability. So that's when they found out and that's when they were able to get on the phone with the, the Avs out in Colorado and the staff out in Colorado to get to get Annan on a plane and to Toronto ASAP. Bednar said after the game against Toronto that for now, Darcy Kemper would remain with the team and we'll see what happens from there is kind of the way he said it. We'll see how it plays out. So Darcy Kemper is out with an upper body injury. They don't know the severity of it yet. Um, they still don't know as of now. Maybe we'll get an update Saturday before the Avalanche play the Ottawa Senators. Maybe we'll learn that Kemper is remaining with the team or maybe we'll learn he's going back to denver to to rehab his injury but for now he's going to stay with the team so that to me says initially it's not long term but it could be the avalanche will just kind of kind of see what happens so from here the question that everybody's asking is do you ride jonas johansson or do you let ananen get in on the action my opinion ottawa you play ananen sorry let me start that again ottawa you play johansson Philadelphia, you play Johansson. These are two of the worst teams in the NHL. Ottawa all season. Philly's on a bit really bad stretch right now. By the time you get to the Rangers, if you've heard nothing yet about Kemper coming back and you've heard nothing yet about Fransu's coming back, then you got to play Johansson one more time, all the while knowing that when you come back from that road trip to play the Red Wings, that it's time to give Eustace Annen in his first career start on December 10th at Ball Arena. You know, that game against the Rangers might not go the best, and that's next Wednesday, December 8th. It might not go the best for Johansson, but then you got to start to consider the fact that you got the Red Wings, the Panthers, and the Rangers at home before you go on the road to play the Preds, return home to play the Lightning, and then you play the Red Wings again. So there's some tough competition in there. So you got the Panthers, you got the Lightning, you got a lot of good teams. You got the Rangers twice. By the time you get through these two games of bad teams in Ottawa and Philly, you need to know what's going on with the goalie situation. Otherwise, by then, you got to start to think about playing Eustace Anninen. There's no reason to rush him before then. Um, if Ananen plays the Philadelphia game, which is the one after Ottawa before the Rangers, that says to me that Jared Bednar knows he's going to need to use Johansson against the Rangers and doesn't want him to play five consecutive games or whatever it'll be by that point. So... I don't think you go with Ananen yet. He's obviously going to be there for insurance. If Johansson has a game like the Toronto game, yeah, you're going to put the young kid in. There's no reason not to. At that point, he'll have skated with the team. But you're hoping by then you either have Kemper or Fransuz back. So we talked about Kemper. Let's talk about Pavel Fransuz. He's obviously with the Colorado Eagles right now. By the time you guys are listening to this, he may already be on the ice with the Eagles playing against the Tucson Road Warriors. Or, sorry, Road Runners. I got that wrong. Um... The Eagles haven't played in six days. Obviously, it was during this time frame that Fransuz was sent down. When I was in Denver last week before Thanksgiving, he was obviously practicing with the Avalanche. And we saw him practicing with the Avalanche after Thanksgiving before they hit the road for this trip. So Frankie is going to play with the Eagles. They play Tucson today, Friday, and tomorrow, Saturday, before they have another six days off. So this is going to be very interesting because if you know Kemper is going to be out for a while you might have to consider playing Fransouz with the Avalanche soon. But in order to get him ready, is one game going to be enough? Probably not. You might need two games for that. The problem is it's back-to-back. So do you play Frankie back-to-back Friday, Saturday? Do you just play him Friday and see a good performance and then get him back up with the big club? Or what do you do? Or do you just keep him down there for the two games? But the problem is, again, there's six days between them, so it's a little bit hard to kind of you know, this is why I'm not a coach. This is why I'm not in the NHL. And this is why I'm just a podcaster who right now is talking to himself. How do you, how are you going to navigate this? I think it's all going to depend on what happens with Darcy. If Frankie goes in on Friday today, you know, later today and plays uh, Tucson and puts up a good performance, then That might be all it could take for the Avalanche to call him up given the situation they have right now with Johansson and Ananen and the fact that they're playing every other night through Christmas with a back-to-back right before Christmas. So it's really interesting to see how this goes. But I think the most important thing is all eyes are on Pavel Francis tonight for the Colorado Eagles. That is going to be a big game for him. The other thing we got to talk about that we haven't mentioned yet is the Bowen Byram injury. So Byram played against Toronto. He looked like himself. Nothing was off. And then obviously yesterday in Montreal, he was announced that he was going to be out. He was injured again, and it was head related. Obviously, Bo had a concussion earlier this season after that collision with Bo Horvat. And Bo had a concussion last season, being Byram this time, not Horvat. Um, So it's been tough for him. A lot of us have already read or have heard of the article that Peter Baugh wrote about Bo and Byram's Offseason struggles and dealing, not even just the off-season, but late last season, dealing with the concussion and the post-concussion issues that he was dealing with and what he had to do with his family and how, how stressful it was for all of them. He was able to work his way back, had an amazing start to the season, came back from his concussion, scored, and now here he is again. He's out, head-related. They didn't say it was long-term. They didn't say it was anything. But I think it is starting to get a little bit concerning. And the most important part is Now, if you're the Avalanche, if you're Joe Sackick, if you're Jared Bednar, and even if you're you're the agent of Bo Byram, how do you navigate the short-term versus the long-term? Knowing that Bo is no longer just that rookie that he was last year that played 19 games and had three assists and is getting his feet wet. Bo is now an important part of this team and and a crucial piece of the top four on the blue line. So how do you navigate the importance of playing Bo enough this year to win a cup versus the fact that this guy's going to be your future with Kael McCarr and, you know, probably even Sam Girard and Justin Barron and all these guys long-term that you don't want to ruin his career by overdoing it right now, especially, especially when it comes to head injuries and concussions and how questionable those can be and how hard it is to really predict what's happening there. So again, I'm not a coach. I'm not the one that has to make that decision, but it's just something that you have to keep in mind if you see Bo miss more games is there could be a longer-term approach and outlook coming with the decisions to not play Bro Byram. There could be be more precaution taken with a young kid like that. But if he is playing, I'm fully confident it means that he's going to be fine. Um, But obviously, as we saw over the last week and a half, since his first return from the concussion, he's only fine until he's not anymore, and then he's got to get pulled from the lineup again. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out. When JJ and I recorded on Monday, we didn't have an update on Ryan Murray. Now we do. He's out indefinitely, and that's a bummer because he was he was really settling into his role. But without Murray and without Bo, you saw Curtis McDermott step into the lineup. He played a little over 10 minutes, and he surprisingly had three shots, which you don't usually see from a guy like him. So is that something you want long-term as well? Do you want Curtis playing a lot more minutes? Do you want to call somebody up from the AHL? Do you want to see what Ryan Murray's situation is or do you want to go out and acquire another defenseman, assuming that you're going to take precaution with Bowen Byram? So it is a little bit of a bummer that he's out again. I guess we we can't really say much more than that because this is just going to be one of those situations where it's played by the day to see what happens. But for now, for Bowen Byram, the only thing you can say is hope he gets better soon. He's got a long NHL career ahead of him and he's going to be successful and he'd probably even win the Calder Trophy if he played enough games this year. He's got some competition in Detroit, certainly, but he's been that good and it just sucks to see him going through this, especially given the timing of that article that Peter wrote at The Athletic and how it kind of coincided with the same time he got his second concussion. So thoughts to Bo Byram. Hope he feels better. Hope he's back against Ottawa and we can just forget about this entire portion of the podcast and and look back at it and just laugh at how incorrect it is but it's getting to a point where you do have to start to think about the long term for Bowen Byram and that it could be a concerning injury. With that being said, I'm going to close this out. I think I'm going to get the words correctly that uh, JJ usually closes out his podcast with. And I, and I mean this with like all seriousness because this was harder to listen to than any other podcast we've done. It was certainly harder to record than any other podcast we've recorded as well. But if you've made it this far, God bless your freaking heart shout out to you tweet me and let me know how terrible this was but you are the real mvp if you were able to make it this far 40 plus minutes of me talking to myself as usual hockey is for everyone and me no jj like to say i'm out ya.